don't forget we need to follow the podcast so we know when new episodes drop And now it's time for Leadership of the Leaf with Dice and Austin. Let's jump in with a cut and a light. Hey, everyone. Welcome. This is Leadership of the Leaf. I am Dice. And I am Austin. All right, Austin. I'm just curious. uh, What are today's topics? Well, today we're going to discuss the different parts or the cigar anatomy, but different parts of the cigar. So we're going to go over all of that fun stuff, which there's a lot more to it than just, you know, the head, the body, and the foot. Uh, And then after we do that, we're going to figure out what should you do if you made the wrong call, whether that's in a relationship, business, anything. Oh, but that never happens to us, right? Uh, Never, never. I always make 100% correct calls. Again, ask my (laughs) wife. (laughs) Good call. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, here you sipping. What are you drinking today? I'm actually drinking a nice coffee by Black Rifle Coffee Company. It is called Fool's Gold, and it's an Irish cream flavored coffee. And yes. what about you, good sir? Uh, I'm a little more bougie today, I guess. Um, Ooh. Yeah, it's an instant coffee, but it's uh, by Davidoff. Davidoff Coffee. Oh, and what are you pairing that coffee with? Because, you know, this is c- cigars. Leadership of the leaf. That's, that's true. And uh, for some reason, I actually did a little homework this time and knew we was going to be doing uh, cigar anatomy. So amazing. I'm, <laughs> I'm smoking the Punch Fu Manchu. Ooh. <laughs> it's a very interesting uh, cigar. Yeah, it's got that, that Fu Manchu tucked under the band yeah. and under the cap a little bit. And it's actually a two-tone it's a it's a habano, habano. I'll, I'll learn how to say it in a minute. Habano wrapper. <laughs> it's the same wrapper through and through. It's just a lighter shade of the habano. Well, fair enough. Uh, I am puffing on a, an M by Macanudo, coffee flavored. It's uh, as some of our listeners may understand and know. I'm not a huge uh, flavored cigar fan. However, this one is just. Pairs so well with this Fool's Gold. It's got a nice creamy kind of sweetness to it. Uh, so it pairs pretty well. Pretty. I saw a picture of uh, your your coffee then. It looks very interesting. It caught, it caught my eye. Um, yeah, it was a uh, St. Patrick's Day special. I wonder if you could tell by the, the wrapper. If you've never seen it, it has a lepre- leprechaun on it. So. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm, uh, when I post to Instagram, I'll take a, a better look at it. And I might have to pick that up because I know that's a veteran-owned company. It is a veteran-owned company. Perfect. As we love to support our veterans. Well, let's dive in. Let's let's get into the cigar anatomy. What do you know of the cigar anatomy? Well, I know the basic concepts. I know the, the head is where the cap is. And that's the part I put in these beautiful lips of mine. <laughs> yes. Yes, that would be the head. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you agree. I got beautiful lips. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you got the head where the cap resides, and then you have the body, which is the area between the head and the foot, and then you have the foot, which is the end of the cigar that you light, and uh, obviously the foot can come in many different styles. There's closed, shaggy, open, unfinished. Um, I think... We've had a couple different, like, closed-foot cigars. I think one of your favorites, uh, Sweet Jane. 
Doesn't that have a closed foot? It does have a closed foot. Um, uh, it's a little tricky to light, but once you get it, I, I, I think it's uh, very pleasurable. Yeah. So, and then and cigars do that for a variety of reasons. You know, sometimes they want you to get that first uh, little puff, gives you extra sweetness of the wrapper or whatever, or extra flavor of the wrapper, if you will. Um, so they they that's why they have the different types of foots. But then. You know, you got to go a little bit deeper. Uh, you got to get, you know, understand what what about the wrapper of a leaf or of a cigar? The wrapper, I, I know that's what in pretty much encases the whole cigar. Um, and it's, you know, people eat with the eyes first. So the wrapper has to like has to look good for me. You know, just like this mm-hmm. one is two-tone. It's a two-tone wrapper. So that's what caught my eye when I first saw it. I walked by and I was <laughs> like, oh, shit, that wrapper has two different colors. Look at that. And it's not a barber pole. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, like the filthy hooligan has three different colors on the wrapper. It's got a Cameroon and uh, I think a Habano and a, I forget what the other one is. But that has like three different colors. So that one catches a lot of people's eye when it comes out around uh, uh, St. Patty's Day. Uh, but yeah, so the wrappers are the first thing people notice, right? So they got to be smooth. They got to be pristine. Um, usually the the leaves, the tobacco leaves that have like really heavy veins. Uh, inconsistent color, cosmetic blemishes. Um, they're usually rejected as wrappers, uh, and they're usually used as something a little bit else, uh, maybe like a binder or something. All right. I know if it has uh, thick enough veins and they, they decide to use it, it's normally referred to as toothy, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes, toothy. Which is it's just interesting because all it's really doing is just uh, it looks like little teeth marks because I've crunched on it because that's why the, that's the veins. I can go back to the foot real quick. The shaggy foot. I had, it was actually Punch. I think it was Egg Roll by Punch. Has a, a shaggy foot. I'm not a fan of shaggy foot. I, for some reason, can't like them as well as all the others. Have you had a shaggy foot? I think I have. I'm trying to remember which one it was. I want to say, was it a leaf by Oscar? <sighs> I don't remember. But I have, I'm pretty sure I've had a shaggy foot. And yes, it does take a while because you have to, I feel like I end up almost burning the end of the cigar uh, yeah. to just to get it to light. Just want to throw that in before we got too far because I was just thinking about that shaggy foot. And I'm like, ah, man, it's got like bits of tobacco kind of like sprouting everywhere. It, it really seems <clears throat> like an unfinished cut and it's just looks shredded. Yeah, like, yeah, you basically have to hold your, your lighter there. A little bit extra time, make sure that's all lit. Um, but you have what's an interesting cap, right? Which is the at the head of the cigar. You know, the one that you put your mouth on. Don't <laughs> don't put your mouth on the foot, people. <laughs> or do I don't care. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if you want to, I guess. Uh, usually, the cap's the same leaf as the wrapper, uh, but you can distinguish the cap. There's a faint line or a, or a seam around the head of the cigar where the end tapers, which is where the end tapers is called the shoulder of a cigar oh <clears throat> yeah now there's different heads and different caps right so you can have a tapered head a pyramid head bellicoso and then you have the in the caps you know you can have a single cap a double cap or a triple cap usually you'll see three lines two lines one line uh triple cap is usually common in a cuban style of rolling and then you can have elaborate stuff like what dice has yeah, this is a uh, Fu Manchu. It's supposed to be reminiscent of the old school Kung Fu flicks of the old wise one with the long beard and white yep. beard. The so, long wispy stuff. 
Oh, yeah. And that's exactly what it kind of resembles because they didn't put it at the top of the cap where you would cut it off. They put it on the side. And I must warn anyone that gets this cigar, do not pull the Fu Manchu off because it's on the side. If you was to pull it off, you would tear up the cap and the head and it would make uh, for unpleasant smoke. Well, yeah, because the cap actually helps keep the wrapper intact uh, as you smoke. I've had caps pop off because I've had single cap cigars and when I've cut them, I either cut them too deep or uh, I didn't use the right kind of cutter on them. You kind of want to do something like a punch, uh, maybe a guillotine if you do a really shallow guillotine cut, but don't do not do like a deep V cut like I did because that cap will just pop right off. Yeah, I do know talking to like uh, cigar people and uh, brick and mortars and lounges and stuff, the triple cap is commonly um, <coughs> try to say that the cigar is of higher quality. Is yeah. that true? I wouldn't necessarily say it's true. It could, you could get a budget stick that's copying the Cuban style of rolling. You know, so I, I wouldn't put much weight behind that. But some people really believe that a triple cap means uh, better quality. Um, I mean, I could, I could kind of see it as long as you're not like trying to get a fake or something. You know, um, the brands uh, are usually indicative of everything. Now, unless you're going for like those Cohibas, and I'm not talking about the red dot Cohibas, talking about the <laughs> <clears throat> the Cohibas that everybody fakes. Uh, you know, if you're trying to get one of those and you're trying to you're trying to fake off of it, sure, that's one thing. Uh, but usually, I can I can kind of see that Camachos usually have double cap. This M by Macanudo. Uh, looking at it, I see one, two. Uh, nope, there's three. There's a, this is triple capped. Uh, mine is actually single cap. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised by that. Usually they do it. Uh, I would have figured they would have done a double cap. I would have figured the same, but nope, there's only one line. All right, well, there you go. Um, but so just under that that wrapper and that cap lies the binder, uh, and it does exactly what it says. It binds the filler tobaccos together, keeps them from wrapping and falling apart, because the wrapper is usually, as we all know, delicate. That's why you get wrapper splits uh, rappers can unpeel from the binder. Uh, all of the horrible things that can happen to a wrapper happen. So that's why you have the binder underneath it. A little binder encases the filler. Yep. Uh, pretty much it, it serves as just a, a holder of all the insides together. One big, big hug, big squeeze. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it maintains that cigar structure. Uh, some of them actually, in interestingly enough, uh, are rolled with either one or two uh, binders. So I don't know if I've smoked one with two. I would think it would be a, um, a heavier smoke. Actually, which is kind of interesting, Punch Vintage is blended with a pair of Connecticut Broadleaf binder leaves. Huh. Yeah. Of, yeah. Speaking of Punch. Yeah. Good call, sir. <clears throat> I'm always here to help. But yeah, so that's so that's the binder. You know, usually they're they're wrapper leaves that are not nice enough uh, to be a wrapper, so they're a little bit veiny or whatever. Um, and they usually just are there to kind of enhance the flavor of the cigar. <clears throat> so it's like the same leaf as the wrapper, but it's just they don't look as nice. So they put it underneath everything to I, to kind of keep it all there. I've had a cigar with a uh, it unraveled, <laughs> raveled on me. 
And all I had yeah. left, all I had left was the binder. So I'm, I'm holding it in my hand, like trying to get the, the binder to stay together. And the cigar was just coming apart. <laughs> just the airflow was horrible. <laughs> but I was like, I paid good money for this stick. I'm going to smoke it. And <laughs> it was just a complete mess. But yeah, the binder was, it definitely didn't have like that shine, like the, mm -hmm. like the wrapper does. And it, it was just a complete mess. So yeah. I should have just called it a loss, to be honest with you. You definitely should have. Definitely should have. But, I mean, the binders there, I mean, sometimes they're, you know, they're not the same leaf as the as the wrapper. Sometimes they have, you know, smoked a, uh, you know, they have a, a Habano wrapper with a Ecuadorian binder and, you know, a Cameroon filler or something. I don't know. You know, they, they have, they blend all this stuff together. That's what makes these master blenders so amazing in my eyes is because they can blend all these different subtle flavors together between the wrapper, the binder, and the fillers to make this wonderful, joyous smoke that we get in our hands. Um, have you had enough of your binder and filler and wrapper to talk about the first third? Mm, I believe that I have. Uh, so I'm getting definitely that coffee flavor. Um, it's got a uh, definitely a hint of sweetness with it. Uh, it's got a little bit I don't want to say earthy. It's just coffee flavored. I mean, it is a coffee flavored cigar, so I definitely get coffee flavored with a little bit of sweetness with it. What about you? Well, I'm, I'm getting sweetness. If I had to put a name to sweetness, um, I want to say maybe maple. And this creamy wood, creamy oak. Okay. Which is not bad. That's kind of what I expected from the cold draw. I got like a sweet raisin. Mmm kind of with a back tone of like peanuts so huh. it's actually the flavor profile i was expecting from the cold draw that's good um hmm interesting yeah i i'm like i said this is a coffee flavored cigar uh part of the reason i don't like flavored cigars is because they just overwhelm you with one flavor mm. so i'm definitely getting a coffee flavor with like a vanilla type sweetness that's about it like there's no other subtle hints of anything my mascara line or burn line or eyeliner line whatever line you want to call it is uh it's pretty prominent it's a little thicker than i'm used to seeing so really? that tells me the cigar is not aged for a very mm -hmm. long time yeah that's uh hmm did you just buy that cigar like how long ago did you buy that I bought two of these, I want to say, a couple of months ago. So it's been at least two months. Hmm. It's just the mascara lines. I mean, it's not taken away from the smoke. It's still a, a very, very decent smoke. I uh, wouldn't say it's... I wouldn't go out and be like, hey, world, go out and buy this cigar. It's so amazing. I wouldn't do that. I would say <laughs> at least at least try it one time for the experience of having a Fu Manchu. I'm looking forward to my burn line getting to it. Mm. And I'm also looking forward to my burn line getting to the lighter shade of the Honduras. Habana, sorry. Habana wrapper. Yeah, that see I always love it when they the cigar wrappers and the band well the bands or the caps in this case, uh kinda they make it they enhance the the smoking sensation of the cigar. Like, you know, the you get the Amazon basin. Yeah. You get to that little knot, that band, and it kinda changes the flavor of the cigar. It's really nice. Um but speaking of the flavor of the cigar, the filler, which is where the flavor comes from, oh yeah, is underneath that binder, isn't it? It is definitely underneath that binder because that's 
what the binder's for to tie it all together buddy <clears throat> now when i first got into cigars i kept hearing oh this is a long filler oh this is a short filler oh this is long filler and i was like what in the world are they talking about i, I was no the idea. same yes i was <laughs> the same so long filler just means that they did not cut the filler leaves and they hand rolled the filler leaves while they were still long short filler is uh usually when they cut the when they cut the the filler leaves now short fillers the reason that sometimes it's a bigger deal when the, if they're short or long filler is because the short fillers can be made by machines yeah like your gas station cigars yes those are all short fillers but the um you know sometimes some rollers will use shorter leaves to fill uneven spots in their cigars okay so i do know like the long filler they like to use closer to the cap close to the head because they don't want short filler bits and pieces getting in your mouth and they yes. typically use the short filler if they have to uh, closer to the uh, foot where you like right yeah and and sometimes that could be an indication of quality you know if it's short filler um, you know sometimes you kind of wonder why and if it was made by a machine or whatever but you know overall the filler is is to me that's what, what's so cool you know, you get different blends that give the flavors and different complexities and show off the cigar maker's talent for blending leaves. Like Steve Saka, he's a master blender. Um, uh, Oscar Hernandez, master blender. These guys can sit there and smoke 40 cigars of different leaves and different plants and tell me the different subtleties of each cigar and each leaf. And it's amazing that they can do that. Yeah, I heard stories of people that go to these factories, uh, the tours and stuff in Honduras and wherever, right? And yeah. near the end, you're able to blend your own cigar. Like, ah, right, here you go, new guy. Go ahead and blend your cigar. And like the master blenders are there and they're shaking their heads like, that's that's not going to work. But it's a common mistake, I guess, all new people when they try to blend their own <coughs> cigar. That's what yeah. they, they end up doing. Like They make it real bitter. Or they make it so where it doesn't burn even because they didn't choose the right tobaccos. So being a master blender, I mean, any any craft like that, after years and years of doing this, after a while, you know, it comes second nature to these guys. So bravo to them. Right. Well, and, and even, um, you know, even the different parts of the tobacco plant are used as different type of fillers, right? So yeah. like the, the top leaves, which is the top 40% of the tobacco plant, it's called the Ligero. And then you have the next 50% is uh, called the Seco. And then the last 9 or 10% um, is called the Volado. And then at the very, very bottom, there's called Sand Leaves. It's the Bote. It's the cleanup stuff. But the Volado on the bottom of the plant is um, they actually, they, they're more combustible. So they burn better. Now, in contrast that to the uh, Ligero, which is the top 40%, those don't burn very well. So, and then the Seco is obviously the middle, so it burns kind of okay. So, what these blenders have to do is they, they put the Volato, the bottom, the really combustible stu stuff, on the outside, and then they build in with the Seco, and then they build in with the Ligero as a core on these fillers, because um, what ends up happening is that Volato kind of heats everything up and it helps that Ligero to burn. Now, there's different kinds of, uh, I'm going very, very broad here um the ligero has like a medio tempo a corona a centro gordo and then the seco has a bunch of other like subcategories to it 
But so what they do is they, they got to build it that way. And that's why when you smoke too fast, you're and you get that pyramid shape at the end of your cigar. Yeah, what, I've got that. What, yeah. What you're doing is you're heating up that Volato and that Ligero, that middle filler can't keep up because it doesn't burn as well, but it has all the flavor. And so you're you're basically heating that Volato up and, and burning that down. That Ligero can't keep up so it doesn't burn as well, um, but it does have all the flavor. And that's why some people have their ash. They're kind of holding that heat all the way through. Yeah, and that's why. Yeah, that's why you see a bunch of people. They don't ash unless they absolutely have to, or it um, falls in their lap, and then or, your daughter laughs at you. <laughs> facts, also facts. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's you know it's just one of those things. Like that's why these master blenders are so amazing to me, is because they take all these different leaves that have been dried and everything else. And they sit there and they go, okay, I got to start with the top leaf and run down that down the center. And then I got to start with the Seco and I kind of build that around there. And then I got to start with the, the Volato and I, I put that in there and, and that way it'll burn everything. And then I put the binder around it and wrapper and here you go. Here's a cigar. It's just yeah. amazing to me that they can do that. Yeah. Here's your cigar. I put my band on it. Boom. Yeah. Now the bands... Bands you to know make what? a dance. Bands to make a dance. <laughs> okay. No, uh, seriously. Yeah. Being a goof. Um, <laughs> so you were telling me a story before we got on here about uh, where bands came from? Uh, yeah. I want to say it was around the Queen Victoria time frame. Um, of course, cigars was <clears throat> around then. And she smoked cigars, but she didn't want the tobacco on her fingers. So they would put a like a silk band or some sort of cloth or something around it where she would hold it with her fingers because she didn't want the icky tobacco right. on her fingers. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, I mean, all my research, I you know, found that it evolved in the 1800s. Uh, between that and then a way to ID- identify Cuban cigars imported to Europe versus European cigars that they made there. Um, now nowadays it communicates that brand identity tradition and of course we shop with our eyes right i'm a huge proponent of a good looking band i will pick yeah. up and buy a cigar because of that band you sir are 100 percent a band whore uh yes 100 percent. i nothing. i'm not ashamed about it there's, yeah no there's nothing wrong with that i myself if i see a band that's too elaborate i kind of shy away like why is that band so elaborate Cause it wants me to buy that cigar right it wants me to but then you'll get it and say it's a good cigar and then i end up buying it eventually yeah <laughs> that's how it works out but yeah. you try a lot of the other cigars that the bands that i skip over because they're not elaborate enough and don't look good um i have a huge issue with uh my father uh bands i don't think that they look good i don't like my father bands I, I don't know why. Don't ask me. Like the My Father, uh, I think it's the Judge. It has like a pinkish band with like some floral stuff, and I'm like, <laughs> you could. This is what you could come up with. This is the best you got. It, that's it, sir. I like really? My Father cigars. I, I look at the I, band, and it makes me think of motherfucker. So, yeah. I, hey, listen. <laughs> I like My Father cigars. Don't get me wrong. I just don't like their bands. But you that's know, it. you go out to a, a black label trading company. Oh yeah, their, their bands are are. 
I don't want to say ornate, but they're very interesting and they're like kind of eye popping and they're like, oh, whoa, what's that? What's got definitely, a skull on that shit? Yeah, that definitely catches my eye too. And I'm like, oh, what, Killer B? Okay, I got that a try. Yeah. Blackwork Studio, you know, like, hey, let's, what about the Rorschach? I had a Rorschach the other day. Yeah. And that band was, was something. But then you look at, because uh, I'm a Davidoff fan, so you look at a Davidoff cigar band and it's, oh, that's pretty simple. That's pretty straightforward. I think Davidoff does not do their bands. Yeah, so I think I think Davidoff, um, they write on their name more than their band, right? The Davidoff is the, to me, the premier cigar company. Everybody knows Davidoff. So they don't have to sit there and make these flashy, catchy bands because they they're writing on their name so they're they're to me theirs is just a classy kind of yes this is who we are yes you can smoke us and uh we're happy to have you but that's about it like they don't make they don't have to sit there and make a huge deal on their bands um because they, they just don't have to that makes sense. Like Tesla. Tesla doesn't have any car commercials out there. Have you ever seen a car commercial for Tesla? Nope. Everybody else does their 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 uh, marketing for them. Yeah, hundred percent. Drive around like, what's that? It's a Tesla. Yeah, exactly. So I uh, I don't know. I mean, bands are really cool. They're they're interesting to look at for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think Davidoff's especially. Uh, have to do a whole lot kind of I don't know I feel like Romeo and Julieta is kind of phoning it in these days I haven't seen a whole bunch of stuff from them they are like the classic uh, cigar like they they're what your grandfather grandfather smoked so I've, I've smoked a few Romeo and Juliet's I, I really do like them uh, yeah me too but I wouldn't go and be like this this is a premium brand I would say it's just a really great cigar yeah I would, I would probably agree with that. I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, kind of, like I said, that's why I have a problem with my father's cigars, just because I just don't feel like they're trying very hard. I think they're trying to write on their name, but they, I don't know. Yeah, to I'm, me, their cigars are nothing to, I don't know. I don't think like, they're. Oh iconic. my god, they're amazing! I, I believe the word we look for: iconic. Like yeah, Romeo and Juliet is is iconic, it, even though it's, I don't think it's like super premium. It's still an iconic cigar, just like Cohiba. Everybody knows what a Cohiba. Like you say Cohiba, like oh yeah, I smoke Cubans all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. Just an icon, a cigar icon. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Macanudo. That's another one. Yep. Iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um, Macanudos are. are uh, yeah, I would say somewhat iconic. There's like three cigar brands that if I was to say, I, I call it the grandma test or your mom's test. If I was to say the names of three certain cigars, my mom would be like, oh yeah, those are cigars. But if I was to say my father's cigar or my father, not with a cigar on it, she wouldn't know what I was talking about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I, you know, I don't know. But uh, are, are you to your second, third now? Almost I would to your band? I'm, I am almost to the Fu Manchu. I, w- I would say I'm in my second third. It's right above the uh, the beard line, I guess you would call it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still getting, I mean, there's no big transitions in the cigar, by all means. It's, it's, I'm still getting like a creamy yolk. Um, I can still get hints of like maybe a peanut in it. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, there's no thrills about this so far. Still a good cigar. Yeah. It's just, it's not changing. It's no transition hmm interesting uh do you think once you hit that fam- fu manchu it'll it'll transition 
Uh, I'm hoping. I, I can't say because it's the first time smoking it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's so why I'm, I'm asking I'm, if you I'm, think. I'm hoping that it reminds me of the Amazon Basin. When I got to that that band, it was a uh, was good. It was great. It added cinnamon to it. It actually enhanced yeah. a lot. Okay. How about you? Okay. Um, still that coffee and uh, and sweetness. I'm now like getting more of a coffee flavor versus the sweetness as the sweetness goes away. Uh, so it's it's good. Uh, but again, this these flavored cigars they just don't have a whole lot of depth to me. If that okay. makes sense. Yeah, that that makes sense. We will take a quick break. And we'll be right back about with our leadership talk topic of what to do if you've made the wrong call. Oh yeah, yeah. Which we we only can talk about a little bit. A little yeah, bit. of course, just a little bit. We don't have a whole <laughs> lot of experience. With <laughs> All right, when we come. Hey, uh, hey, Austin. Yeah. Hey, I uh, know you was doing this leadership of the meat podcast and you were smoking on some cigars. Absolutely. I'm curious, how would I know what cigars you're smoking? Oh, that is a, a phenomenal question. At the beginning of the episodes, we always talk about what cigars we're, we're smoking. But if you want to see a picture of what the band looks like, because maybe you can't find it or we didn't explain it good enough, you can always go to our Instagram or our website and we'll post pictures of what we're smoking and usually what we're drinking with every episode. And we're back. So, Dice, yeah. what do you do if you think you've made a wrong call, whether that be in a relationship, a business venture, uh, anything? So I assess the situation just to ensure that I did make, in fact, I did make a bad call or I, I did the wrong thing or a bad move, whatever, whatever it may be. And once I figure out I did make that bad call, I will uh, try to learn from my mistake. Like, you know, the stove is hot. I'm going to make sure I don't touch that stove again. So I just try to learn from all the any bad call that is made. Uh, I also, I try to learn from other people's bad calls as well. You know, like, ah, that's not a good idea. But I'm not in the driver's seat, so I kind of watch and let it unfold. But the main thing is to learn from the mistake, learn from the bad call. So I think anybody who makes a mistake should absolutely learn from their mistake. But I think one of the first things that you kind of have to do and be willing to do is admit that you made a mistake. Yeah, that, uh, anybody that's dealt with AA or any kind of one of those, you know, you got to I, Dyson, I am an alcoholic, like they admit that yeah. they have a problem. They admit the mistake. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you can admit the mistake, uh, I think you, you kind of take ownership of that fail failure, um, the mistake, the, the oops, the fault, the whatever. Um, <clears throat> but you can't let it weigh you down. You gotta, you gotta recognize that you need to act quickly to move on to something better. Um, <clears throat> there's a, a thing called the sunk cost fallacy. Like you sunk a ship, my battleship. Yeah, um, but it's, you know, people like I, I heard this. Uh, one of my wife's friends actually said this to me and I, I dang near lost my mind. But she goes, I know that my husband's not good for me, but we've been together for like five years and I just don't I don't want to waste all this time realizing that I, you know, I've I've done this, or that or the other thing. And, I, you know, I wasted all this time. I don't want to I want to work it out. And I'm like, but, you know, it's not good for you. Like, 
get out just you know and that's the same thing you can't sit there and say hey i know that i've been trying to implement this process but i've been trying to implement this process for five years and i'm going to eventually make it succeed no you just need to move on to something better obviously that process is not working for you obviously that decision is bad for you so you got to realize like even after you make the mistake you, you got to sit there and be like i know i've sunk three years into this project it was a bad move i've gone down the wrong path i need to go back and start over again and it, it could be heartbreaking and just yeah. soul crushing to do that and that sucks yeah I, I i don't know why i'm relating all this to like aa and drugs and stuff like that a strong out on something they need a fresh start they need to get out of that sunken area as you're describing and they move to a different area a new neighborhood uh, just to try to get a fresh start to take them away from that environment that caused them to make that the bad m mistakes the bad habits right that they picked up so in, right. in the same sense i could see like if you're at a job and you're like you know this is this is a dead end job that's what a lot of people refer to it as so after a couple of years you're like i can see you need a, a fresh start and you're right it is soul crushing and it's very sometimes it's very hard to do yeah and that's what sucks is you know if you sit there and you're, you're you've given I'm going to give this guy, you know, I don't want to say you go into it with a predetermined mindset, but sometimes you got to go in there and be like, man, this is the job for me. My wife actually just, she started a job about two years ago and she said at the beginning of this, she goes, I love this job. I'm so fulfilled. This is the job. This is the path I want to go down. This is what I want to do. Now, fast forward two years, she goes, I am so burnt out. I'm so done. I didn't realize how all the problems with this field but I don't want to start over again. And I said, no, 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 no. Because you're going to be burnt out all the time and you're going to take it out on me and you're going to take it out on our kid and I don't want to have that. Let's start over fresh with something different. Maybe you won't be as fulfilled or maybe you will be. I don't know, but you got to have a better and her big thing is work-life balance, right? Wow. Um, and, and that's so huge in today's world. You, and I said, you got to find a job. Maybe you won't be as fulfilled as working with, you know, kids the way you are right now, but maybe you can go find a job with a better work-life balance and you can interact with your kid on a better level. So you'll be more fulfilled in that sense. And she just, well, I don't want to start, start over again. You're not starting over. You have experience. It's yes, it's in a different field, but you still have some sort of experience that you can brings over and say, hey, I can at least thrive in a fast-paced environment and a flexible type environment. Here's what I used to do. See, I can do that. Your scenario, which fits a lot of people's scenarios, probably even my own to a fault, is the, the scary word of comfortable. Mm -hmm. I know this guy that I'm married <clears throat> to is not good, but I'm comfortable. We're living a life that's, I'm comfortable. I don't, I'm scared of what's next. So yeah. sometimes making that bad decision, you just get comfortable in the bad decision that you're, you're you start living that lie. Right. Um, I actually stayed in, in a marriage. I actually was talking to my my mom on my first marriage, and I said, um, <clears throat> I know that me and her aren't very good together, but what if I can't find another wife? What if I can't find another woman uh, who treats me, you know, the like even as decently as she does who which she didn't treat me very good but obviously but uh, she my mom's like there's what are you talking about she's like there's so many fish in the sea or whatever and i was like oh well and i was like but i've already been i've been with her since high school blah 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 and i'm like and you know my it took my mom kind of just 
popping, bopping me on the head and being like, no, no, figure this out because you're not happy and I'll be damned if this is the way you're going to go down. Yeah, so it took so, a little bit, it takes some strength to get through. Well, talking to your moms and just sometimes just talking out just in general, even if you're talking to yourself in front of a mirror or whatever crazy stuff you need to do is, is identify a remedy, uh, identify how to move forward, identify yeah. how you can change up, identify how you can not make the same mistake twice. Right. Cause you know, even if you, even if you made a mistake in whatever sense, relationship, procedural, business, venture, whatever, um, you know, it, you sometimes can sit there and go, Hey, could I have seen this earlier? Could I have made this decision quicker? Yes. Okay. What's my, what's my remedy? All right. Here's my remedy. It's to get out of this situation and do this. Um, I forget who said it. It was one of the, one of the business leaders like Bill Gates or Elon or somebody. I don't remember who it was. I want to say it was like CEO of HP, but they said, you got to be comfortable. Um, you got to be comfortable making decisions with about 70% of the required information and then be flexible enough to change course when you find out that you made a wrong decision. Like football, when the quarterback calls <clears throat> the audible. Yeah. He sees the defense set up and he's like, well, this shit, this play isn't going to work. So I'm going to switch up. I'm going to flip the script and then he calls the audible right there on the field. Right. So it's, it's almost in the same boat, but I mean more real life, realistic. You know, and, and the big thing is, is once you identify that, kind of extract that lesson, you know, identify where you went wrong. Hey, where did I go wrong in thinking, in my thinking process? Where did I go wrong in my decision making process? Depending on what your status or relationship or business, whatever your wrong mistake is in, sometimes it's, for me, I know not everyone follows the same examples I do, but for me, I kind of jot things down. I write things down. I'll pay attention to it. That way, uh, later, like I'm browsing through my notes, I can go back through and be like, you know what? I did that one time already and it did not work out in its favor. I don't want to say it's like a diary, but it's more of a, a journal. Of yeah. No, that's, I mean, I wish, uh, sometimes I wish I would have done that because there's many times where I've like gone down something and I'm like, oh, I've done this before. And I, this is the same mistake that I made last time. And I, I'm, I'm an idiot for falling into it again. But yeah, so sometimes once you extract that lesson, you got to share that knowledge. Mm, I think that's a, a big key, a big proponent to the whole thing. Because not only are you accepting it and you admit it and you're moving forward, you're also now you're saying out loud to someone else. And they're, they're actually listening. If they're listening and then taking it on board, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm actually sharing my wisdom that uh, that occurred in my life. So sharing it is kind of like teaching someone. You know, you train someone, that's because you know how to do it. So if you're sharing a lesson learned, then by all means, you're sharing what you, you learned to someone else. And hopefully they don't fall in the same. Yeah, and well, and to me, it also makes you a little bit more credible as a leader. You know, if, if, if one of my bosses can sit there and go, hey, I made a mistake. I should I let us down this path and it was wrong. Sorry. I'm like, yeah, all right. This guy actually is willing to admit his mistakes and learn from them. I can work with this guy. Or I can work for this guy or girl or whoever. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna interject. I have made it to the Fu Manchu and I have to say it is throwing out hints of nutmeg. Ooh. It is definitely worth making it to the Fu Manchu. Yeah, all right. Interesting, interesting. All right, but yeah, so so I think it makes you a little bit more credible as a leader, um, you know, doing that stuff. And then I I fall into this trap, right? Um, once I make a mistake, I I get into my own head. Um, 
Oh, uh, what's that? The, the replacements, <clears throat> where Keanu Reeves it says, "Oh, I'm uh, I'm scared of um, quicksand." Right? Where yeah. you make a mistake, and then you end up because you make you're focused on that mistake, you make another one, and then because of that, you make another one. Yeah. An example for me for that is when I'm playing basketball. I, I'm stupid and I make a mistake. And you missed a shot or you missed a layup or whatever. Then for the rest of the game, I'm like throwed off. It's like dice. What the hell are you doing? I'm like I can't get it together, man. I, I made a mistake. Yeah. Like all right. Yeah. Or you on the bench? <laughs> I'm like, oh man. Yeah. So sometimes to get out of that, you gotta. I don't know. I, I find practicing gratitude, and it's something stupid. Like I'm thankful for you know the car that I drive. I'm thankful that I have a way here. I'm thankful that I actually get to play in this game. I'm thankful that I get to make these decisions. I'm thankful I get to pay, be paid to make these decisions. Um, yes, I made a bad one, but you know I'm thankful that I I, I can learn from this stuff, and then. That helps me get out of my own head and focus on the correct stuff. Yeah, uh, heavy is the head that wears the crown. So uh, making mistakes is just part of leadership altogether. It's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. If you don't make a mistake, you're not human. <laughs> or just uh, you could be one of those people that you're surrounded by yes men, <clears throat> so you really don't know if you made a mistake or not until it, yeah. reality slaps you in the face and you're like, why did no one tell me this? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. If you if you're surrounded by those people or in a situation where, where you're around those people that won't tell you don't have the strength to tell you that you made a mistake you need to fire them or get some new people to be around because uh there's so many times where you could sit there and be like oh yeah i made a mistake and change course and if they don't tell you, you made a mistake you're gonna end up broke desperate and destitute like it's just a bad decision yeah you definitely got a circle of bosses you definitely got to have your circle of bosses around you um we talked about circle bosses before on a, a previous episode but that that's a, essentially the key to a lot of these things especially being a good leader you want to have that circle of bosses around you to ensure that you're not being fed a yes man story or your mistakes are covered up to where you know you never learn because if you don't yeah. make a mistake you don't really learn exactly and and sometimes and you know, you got to be humble enough to say, hey, I did make a mistake or be humble enough to accept when somebody says, hey, man, hey, hey, dude, hey, person, hey, whatever. Hey, you made up. You you fucked up. You made a mistake. Here's where you fucked up. And you're like, no, I didn't. Yes. Yes, you did. And then, you know, if they can lay it out to, for you and you can be like, oh, now I see why I made where I made a mistake, because sometimes it's a second, third, fourth order effect that is you know a ripple effect that you you ended up making a wrong mistake uh and now that's causing buildup that's going to cause a, a problem and you're like oh i didn't make a mistake i just need to make a small tweak here all right it fits good to go i see now but I, if you know if you're so bullheaded you can't accept that feedback and that uh constructive criticism from somebody then you're gonna end up making all these mistakes yeah, it falls back to that, you know, you need to admit that you made a mistake. If you if you can't do that part, then you're doomed to failure, 100%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. <laughs> yeah, that cliche, right? Hey. It's, it's true. I, I mean, it's there for a reason. It. Yeah, they said it for a reason. It's there for a reason. Yep. So I think I'm in my last third of my cigar. Um, definitely getting that coffee flavor still getting that little sweetness again this is a it's a good smoke don't get me wrong it's just one dimensional it doesn't it, like i didn't get a whole bunch of flavor changes as i went through the cigar 
like I do with a bunch of other ones. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Same with mine until I hit the Fu Manchu. It's a, it's a great, I want to almost call this a budget stick. It was, uh, I want to say it's around seven bucks. I think seven bucks bad. is like the, the budget stick level, right? Uh, like a ten, $10 cigar is not budget anymore. Used to yeah. be, used to be seven, but now uh, five was a budget stick. Now I'll say seven is about a budget stick. This is a great yeah. fill Inflation stick. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great fill cigar for when you just want something to smoke, but you, you don't want anything heavy. Yeah. Like maybe like a Sunday afternoon or something. Yeah. yeah, those are always nice. I mean, a nice Sunday afternoon where the weather's gorgeous and you're out here on a patio or whatever. I could see smoking a cigar like that. Definitely. And it, the coffee's good too. That's always a plus. I, lo <laughs> I love the coffee. I haven't tried the Davidoff coffee. Um, maybe I'll have to have to get me some. I'm a black rifle coffee person. I, I drink my coffee black. So I've become a coffee snob. Um, as my dad would say, because he drinks Folgers, um, <laughs> and he he but he adds milk and sugar and all this other stuff. And when I used to drink creamer like that, uh, I could drink all that stuff because I didn't you know I didn't taste the coffee. I tasted the sugary creamer. Yeah. Uh, now I have to drink my coffee black with whatever flavor notes it comes with, and uh, Folgers does not do it anymore. Yeah, I think I started drinking my <clears throat> coffee black. I want to show my age. I want to say about twenty years ago. <clears throat> and uh, that was, you know, half your life ago. Yeah, yeah. Way, way to call my age out there, buddy. <clears throat> uh, over half your life. <laughs> but I, I enjoy uh, David R. Coffee. I got from a, a specialty shop here in Vegas, so uh, I think you can find it on Amazon. Mm. Well, maybe I'll have to, I'll have to buy it sometime. So, <laughs> <laughs> did you say ouch? Uh, yeah, I kicked my table. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so talks about you know the the different anatomy parts of the cigar you know the head the shoulders the body the foot the cap the wrapper the binder the filler all of the wonderful stuff that goes into these wonderful sticks of tobacco that we light up and enjoy um and then you know we got into that leadership part yeah you know uh, sometimes you do make the wrong call it's just the steps you take when you make that wrong call that's the important part yeah that's not the fact that you made a wrong call it's what you do in the wake of making a wrong call that determines to in my eyes what kind of leader you are i had a leader in my life that said the worst call you can make is not making one at all to make a call even if it's wrong at least you was able to make a decision make a call if you don't make one then what why are you in a leadership position yeah absolutely that i have i have a guy with me right now at work he cannot make a call he he waits for other people to tell him what call to make and it drives me nuts because he will change his mind depending on who he's talking to. And, ah. uh, it, and it drives me absolutely up the wall because I'm, I'm constantly going, dude, you, you knew the right answer. Why did you change your mind? Well, because so-and-so said X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not a thing. Like you need to reevaluate what you're, what you're talking about. Yeah. He's taking democratic leadership to a whole different level. It's, it's bad. So, uh, yeah, I don't think he'll be in that position much longer because he's not meant for it, but, um, that's okay. You know, not everybody's strengths are where, you know, where, where they're at right now. Well, some people are not, uh, I hate to say this, but some people are not fit to be a leader. Some people yeah. are fit to be that follower, a strong follower or a good secondhand man. Some people are fit for that. And that, that's okay. Not everyone yeah. is going to be an amazing leader. 
Because if that was the case, we would have umpteen million different leaders uh, in the world today. Whereas, right. you know, really, if you sit down and think about it, you there's not that many leaders you would say, hey, I'll follow that guy off a cliff, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's a, and that's a you know, that's a good thing. I mean, everybody's bred different. We can't all be, you know, the guy that everybody goes to, that general that everybody goes to. Uh, you know, for me, General Mattis hands down takes the cake as a dude I would follow into hell and back. He's, <laughs> he's just that kind of guy. Like he inspires people, you know, uh, Elon, whether you like him or not, he is, uh, he has got risen Tesla and SpaceX and all of these other companies up to great heights. Um, After know, people was telling them he can't do it. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I would say that guy is a good leader. Um, I finished my book on Grant actually. All uh, right. It was a phenomenal book, um, you know, but he he even said at Lincoln's funeral, uh, right? He actually, for Grant, if anybody knows anything about President Grant or General Grant at that time, he never showed emotion, never showed emotion. Uh, he was very calm, cool-headed, level-headed the entire time. You wouldn't even know that he was stressed unless you measured how many cigars he was smoking. <laughs> that's that's how people described him. They're like, oh, General Grant's working as usual. Uh, the only reason I can tell he's a little bit perturbed is because he's up to his normal cigars from, from four a day to seven a day. That's how they could tell that he was stressed. Other than that, like he when even when he won and got General Lee to um, uh, surrender, he was very cordial he was just not the kind of guy but he at lincoln's funeral showed emotion and broke down and cried and said uh abraham lincoln was one of the greatest leaders he's ever seen in his lifetime smoking cigars just to meditate yep so very interesting it was a great book if you guys want to read it uh it was grant takes command it was a phenomenal book i definitely learned a lot but yeah until next time i'm austin and this is dice and we will catch you guys later all right. Thank you for listening to Leadership of the Leaf. The comments and opinions expressed by the host and guests does not reflect the opinions of those that broadcast this show, nor does it reflect any of our affiliates.